This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson, Jason Lloyd, and Tom Reed. Woof, woof, baby. It's the Civilized Barking Podcast. I'm Zach Jackson. I'm joined by Jason Lloyd. This is the first edition of the Athletic Cleveland's Browns Podcast. We're glad you're here. We hope you'll come back. We know you're excited about the team. We hope you'll be excited about the podcast. Uh, we want to do a lot of things with with this podcast going forward. Uh, we're going to talk about some of those uh, as we go forward. We want to take you inside, take you where nobody else will. And so there we start. Jason, how was your colonoscopy this weekend? <laughs> you're such an asshole. It was wonderful, <laughs> Zach. I was turning 40. <laughs> um, I feel 40. I can tell you that. Um, I've made it. We're ready. Um, you know, I feel a little like the Browns played in Tampa, uh, which was exhausted, beat up, uh, disinterested. But no, this is an exciting time. And the, the preseason is just awful. Uh, let me make that clear. You glean very little. It's exciting to see the team. Uh, it's exciting to follow some of the stories, um, some of the out of nowhere players. And frankly, for as good as this roster is, there are probably five or six guys that I would have told you back in the spring no way would make the team that I think are going to make the team this week. So we'll see. Jason, you've been around a little bit. You were at one of the preseason games. You've been at camp a lot of days. Um, just do you like the vibe of this team? I, I do. Um, I have concerns, obviously, about handling the expectations and are they really good? They don't have a lot of guys that have ever done this. But I like the vibe. I think they there's a chance they handle everything well. And um, – you know, I think Freddie's confident. We know Baker's confident. And, and I, I just think there's a good chance that the Browns turn out to be pretty good this year. Yeah, I was surprised by, you know, you and I talked about this a lot during training camp practices, how long they went, the physicality of it. And Freddie kept trying to say he wasn't he wasn't trying to set a tone. That's just who he is. I don't, I don't believe that. I, I think he was trying to show the new way. Uh, you you kind of have to after twenty years of wandering the wilderness when you actually have talent. I just think you need you need an overhaul on how you approach things. And obviously, this training camp was far different than last year. And 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 really, I mean, you could speak better to it than I can. But most of the training camps that I can recall, this one was completely different in terms of length, physicality, all of that. Uh, I'm impressed. To see, I'm excited to see if they are as good as we think they can be or if some of my biggest fears about them come true? Yeah, um, biggest fears. So mine, obviously, you know, the offensive line, and I don't think that the offensive line is going to be awful. I think every offensive line needs time to gel. Um, but when you want to throw it, when you want to be as aggressive as Freddie and Baker want to be, you got to protect. Um, Baker's going to take some hits. He did last year. He's going to this year. I think he was so good in December – getting rid of the ball and the line protected him so well um, that people thought that would be the norm. I, I don't think, I mean, you go back to the quarterback hit numbers and the sack numbers. Uh, he was getting hit so much less than even anyone else. Um, you're just not going to show up in August and play that well. Again, as a line, you need time to gel, to communicate. And, and you're right. I, I think when you mentioned the physicality, I think that's the one thing Freddie was trying to get through is, is he wants the lines to be ready really ready to go and the defensive line as the Tampa game showed um, is scary good <laughs> has a chance to be scary good and in week one Taylor Lewan, one of the best left tackles in the league is suspended <clears throat> and my goodness Miles Garrett is going to feast <laughs> <laughs> well it was funny I was watching uh, the the Bucks game I was watching the replay last night 
And it struck me as we talk about the defensive line, as we talk about the problems on the offensive line, this has come up a couple times, but who do you think this team needs more right now? Zeitler or Olivier Vernon? Yeah, Olivier Vernon, no doubt. Um, so you're happy with it? Yeah, no, I, I think, and I was talking to about this the other day, you know, I'm not privy to the meetings, but I think they were like, okay, um, it's going to be hard to trade a guard that makes $12 million a year. But we need to try, and let's call the Giants because they might do it, right? And Olivier <laughs> Vernon, <laughs> you know, Olivier Vernon had been a good player there. Uh, they changed defensive schemes. It really wasn't his best fit. He was making a lot of money. They obviously are going through transitions uh, on multiple fronts there, and they went and made that deal. Um, that leads us to one of the disappointments of of the summer, which would be Austin Corbett, the 33rd pick in the draft a year ago, yeah. not winning that job where they basically made the Kevin Zeitler trade to uh, give him that spot, and he didn't get it. But, Jason, I think without hesitation, I think eight days out of ten, uh, the answer to that is Olivier Vernon, and then particularly not close. And that's not to diss Kevin Zeitler, who's a really good player. Right, right. My biggest concern is Freddie. He's never been anywhere near this type of responsibility before. And I, he, he's saying all the right things. I know the entire city of Cleveland loves him. But I'm just – I need to see more. I need to see how he handles game clock management. I need to see how he handles challenges, how he handles play calling with all the other responsibilities that he has, how he manages these egos to thrust him into this position when he's been nowhere near this chair before to me is, a, is it, it's funny because the day that he, that they announced him as coach, I thought, okay, you know, this kind of makes sense with the way that him and Baker gelled last year and everything else. And then the farther we get away from last season, the more explosive personalities I see on this team, I just look at it and go, boy, man, this is a risk. I hope they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't get caught up in the Colin Cowherd stuff and, and, you know, no, some of the either. stuff that goes on, but I think Colin made a good point, a fair point when he called the Browns a frat house, because there's yeah. a little of that vibe and that's yeah. fine. If you're handling your business and Baker handles his business, Odell handles his business, right? Freddie's out there. He's fighting for the guys. He's sticking up for him. And the fans love right. it. Right. Um, sometimes do I think you don't want to get caught up in that crap? Sure. Uh, Freddie's undefeated right now and all is well. And I think when you go back to last year, uh, I think the way it unfolded, I think it was a no-brainer choice of Freddie Kitchens for this to be the head coach, right? You just you didn't want to break up that. The quarterback is the most important thing. We've known that here in Cleveland. We've yep. seen it for so long, and you didn't want to break that up. However, I think everything you said, Jason, is, is right in that he hasn't been there. Now, those concerns being valid, he has coached in the NFL for 13 years. He has coached on good teams. He has coached under some of the best, most respected coaches in the league of all time. When you go back to Bill Parcells, um, he's done it. You know, he's coached various position groups. He's done it. Um, we sometimes make it seem rocket science. Uh, then it's not. It's football. It's calling plays. This is what he's done, right? The guy was a quarterback growing up. Yep. The guy's been a football coach. You know, uh, I just think one of the concerns is, as you said, he's going to mess up, right? He's never done it. He's either going to you know, handle the wrong thing uh, publicly. He's either going to botch a time management or something. And, and, and my concern would be this team has potential to be so good and expectations have gone from the toilet to so high in such a short amount of time 
that I think some of us are expecting perfection. That's not realistic. So if Freddie messes up, like how does everybody handle it? The kicker, whomever it's going to be, misses one. How does everybody handle it? You know, that's just, I think that's some of the things that have happened here. Um, I didn't like picking a kicker in the fifth round. If he's the answer, he's the answer. But my my problem with it was always, do you really want a rookie kicker for this team when you have expectations? Right. So we'll see. Um, you know, I always say it, I don't care any sport, any level. It's more than the talent, right? It's, it's X's and O's. It's chemistry. It's getting things to go your way. It's handling adversity. But having the talent is a good place to start. And you've seen so many teams. And if you've been listening, you've been force-fed so much crap from Sashi Brown, from Ray Farmer, from Pat Shermer. The list goes on. I have a headache talking about it. It has nothing to do with my birthday hangover, <laughs> right? <laughs> now you have an NFL football team that has a handful of superstars, that has a whole bunch of really good players, and we will see how it all melds together. Um, before we get into some podcast details, Jason, I want to talk about Andrew Luck. Yeah. Um, to, just to tell you guys how my brain works, um, and Jason's similarly, um, not to speak for him, but when something like this happens, your first thought is you formulate, okay, um, you know, what, what is my initial take on this? What if I was writing on this? Like what, you know, you, you kind of start processing this huge bit of news. And the second thing you say is, oh my gosh, thank goodness this didn't happen to our team on Saturday night at nine o'clock where the franchise player retired and I have to work. Yes. All right. Yes. <laughs> We were at Cedar Point on Saturday. I'm so glad Baker did not retire Saturday night. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Andrew Luck doesn't owe anybody anything. Um, you know, I, I think this was one for the hot take artists. It is strange. Um, he's walking away. It would, would seem to be the prime of his career. Um, I'll say this. Even if you're as talented as Andrew Luck and he's in the 1% of the 1%, if you're not totally into this game, then you shouldn't play it because it, it is really hard in the National Football League for everybody. Um, it's really hard to win one game, right? It's it's really hard to to do this and, and shoulder this. And I, you just, without knowing Andrew Luck personally, you just have to think that the injuries were to the point that he just couldn't do it anymore. And I say good for him for being willing to take the bold move and, and step away. Yeah, my first thought was actually – I went back to my NBA days. Obviously, I covered the NBA for the better part of the last 10 years. And every general manager I would come across at the Combine, uh, that was really the, the best time when, when everybody was together. It's the Combine or Summer League. And they would all tell you how fragile it is. Winning is so fragile. And, and if that's true on a 15-man roster in the NBA, you can multiply that by four at least and probably 1,000 to get to a 53-man roster and how fragile it is to build a culture, to try and win, Zach, as you said, even to win one game, let alone to win a Super Bowl. But it's so fragile to win in pro sports, especially football, because of things like this. The Colts did everything right. They were all set up for uh, a, a, a long, deep run coming off of Peyton Manning into Andrew Luck. And you thought the Colts were going to be atop the AFC or near the top of the AFC for 20 years, 25 years. And, and Andrew Luck should have positioned them to be one of the top teams in the East or in the AFC this year. And then it all comes crashing down uh, over an ankle. And, and I went back and, and thought about Robert Griffin and what a fantastic year, rookie year he had. And then it all fell apart over an injury. And it's, it's so hard to win in pro sports, especially at the quarterback position, especially when you talk about health, how fast things can change and not to jinx anything, but everything looks wonderful right now with Baker, but all it takes is one play, one hit 
and it all goes away. That's how hard it is to win in the NFL. That's right. I mean, the general rule, you look around, um, if you have a good quarterback, 10 and 6 is realistic. Yep. Right? There's about 800 different paths to getting there. But if your guy is healthy, is upright, is efficient, you got a chance. If you got a great quarterback, 12 wins, right? Conference championship games, all those things. And the Colts had, Colts had done that with Andrew Luck. Every year he'd been healthy, nine wins, 10 wins, yep. 11 yep. wins. You know, win the first week of the playoffs, get going. And, and so from there, you know, you go. Um, I do think the Browns are opening a window. Uh, I think Baker, you know, I, I don't think it matters if I think Baker is the third best quarterback or the sixth best quarterback or the 12th best quarterback. I think Baker has all the traits that they said he did when, when they picked him number one and surprised a lot of people, including me, including Baker himself, if you ask Baker. And I think the window is opening to where if they keep Baker upright, um, if Freddie reels in things, if kicks go their way and penalties go their way and health goes their way, that the Browns can be a relevant competitive NFL team, go to the playoffs this year and open up a window where you're always thinking 10 and six. And then how do we get to 11 and 12 and how do we get down the road? Uh, I'm not afraid to say it, Jason. I'm, I'm going to come out right now. If the 2019 Browns do not make the playoffs, it is a disappointment. I, yeah. I, I will say that. Um, I think maybe later we'll get into exact predictions and, and ways we think it can go. Uh, but I, I think it's fair to say that this team, um, you know, what are we, 13 days from the opener, uh, it will be a disappointment if they're not playing on the first weekend of January or the second weekend of January. Completely agree. I've said, and maybe jumping the gun here, but I've said since the end of last season, even before they got Odell, just figuring upgrades were coming. Ten and six and hosting a first round game. That's what I expect. Win, win the division at ten and six because I think this division's really good. This could be the best division of football, uh, especially if you can move Cincinnati into a different division. And uh, I fully expect them to win the division, and host a playoff game. That's been my thought since last year ended, and I, I've seen nothing. Although I just got done saying, you know, I'm concerned about Freddie and uh, I'm wholeheartedly with you on the offensive line. I, I have huge questions over if they can protect, if they can open holes for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. But the overall talent level on this team, the overall depth of this team, I fully expect them to be hosting a playoff game in January. So going back to February in the first week of March, I would have told you, hey, the Browns are emerging. The Browns are getting better. Um, it's going to be a lot this year. It's going to be too much too soon, right? Uh, they're going to have a great learning year, um, and they're going to see. And then the next week they traded for Odell Beckham, and I said, well, now they're never out of a game. This offense yeah. is going to score 40 on some Sundays. Um, this offense, when they're down 14, is is able to come back because Odell and Jarvis Landry can both take one at any time. Uh, Odell can do things that, that – regular humans cannot <laughs> i mean yeah. i'm excited for you guys to see him play if you haven't been out to training camp um so we'll see it's not as easy as rolling it out there uh but other guys are going to get open because of him i think nick chubb is going to make it hell on opposing safeties i think jarvis landry matched up against safeties in third corners is going to light people up and i think baker um, is going to throw to the open guy and so uh, are there enough balls to go around you know can baker get immediately on a great page with Odell and Beckham and keep or Odell and Landry and, and keep them all happy and keep it clicking. I don't know, but I think when it does or when they get there, uh, this offense is going to be scary. Good. <clears throat> Eventually we hope this podcast is good. So let's talk about this. Um, 
The plan, guys, is going to be Mondays and Thursdays. So basically a game wrap-up, which in most cases I believe we'll record on Sunday after the game, but we know some games are on Monday. There's a Thursday game. Um, and then later in the week, probably Thursday, getting together uh, with kind of a look ahead uh, at that week's game. Um, you know, just kind of talking the major issues again, trying to take you inside. So, uh, it'll be me and Jason a lot. It'll be me and Tom Reed a lot. Uh, it'll be all three of us at some point. We will have guests, uh, from the athletic and from other places that cover, uh, other teams. Um, we're going to have a player guest today. So I hope you'll enjoy that. I'll talk more about that in a minute, but, uh, I did the asking Jackson column on Friday. It's still up there in the athletic app and I kind of just made it an open forum, um, for the podcast, what you want. And the, the responses have been incredible. Frankly, I think we're like at 50 comments as of this morning with, with feedback. So we're going to get better. Um, we're going to let it evolve, but Jason, I mean, we've been talking about this the entire off season, right? And, uh, we, we know the excitement for the Browns. I think in a way we share the excitement and the optimism for the Browns, just going back to what we talked about the last five or 10 minutes. And, uh, I feel the same for this podcast because I think, well, I know people are, are, or itching people have been waiting for this team and uh we're we're really excited to kind of bring you inside and let this thing grow as part of our coverage well i'm just glad that i'm with the godfather of cleveland podcasting and zach jackson <laughs> and i'm no andre not uh obviously the a to z podcast is wildly popular we'll try our best to make this on that level but until then i will just clutch onto your cape and hold on as tight as i can and you just drag me around wherever you want us to go how's that <laughs> The visual of you and I strolling through downtown Cleveland, you holding on to my cape, that's something. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best part, the best part is we pull back the curtain. I said that once before and it cut out. And I told Zach it was the best compliment I've ever given him. <laughs> and they lost the feed. So then I had to repeat it and say it again. You have zero chance of me getting to see it a third time. So if it cut out again, too bad. One of the things I tweeted yesterday, and I meant this 100%, is the only reason I'm celebrating slash acknowledging my 40th birthday is we're all going to be 70 at the end of this Brown season. So <laughs> That is true. Yes, that is true. I really uh, do. I really do think that. Although I got to say, like, as I was, you know, finishing my column at 1 a.m. Uh, on Friday, just limping to the finish, you know, the preseason's so bad. Uh, you know, even though it's past my bedtime in the regular season, there's there's a level of adrenaline involved, right? Because sure. the game matters. Uh, in a preseason, you're watching the third teamers, and the Browns aren't interested, and it's a thousand degrees, and I'm worried about making my flight in four hours so I can get yep. home. <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, listen, this is an exciting time, and uh, we hope the podcast will be a part of it. So, the second episode every week will be available on all your favorite podcast platforms. The first episode of uh, the game wrap, in most cases will be just for athletic subscribers and will be available uh, through the athletic app and the podcast forum there. So uh, again, Monday and Thursday for the most part, but today or this week, I don't think you're going to hear this one until Tuesday and then Friday um, because the Browns play on Thursday in the Great Lakes Classic, the fourth preseason game. Um, Friday, we'll be back going over some roster predictions, things like that. And then of course, next Monday is a holiday. So anyway, um, an early week podcast, a late week podcast, and uh, we'll do plenty of stuff to get you excited. Um, you know, I have a big story coming out next week, Jason, on uh, Baker Mayfield. I know you've been working on some deep dive things on a couple of other guys. Um, Tom Reed is in Berea as we speak, uh, getting ready um, for something. So if you're not on board, get on board. Uh, and to our, our readers, our subscribers, um, 
we think you're going to love what we're dropping. We're really excited to kind of shift into regular season mode and, and get to doing this because it it uh, it gets the juices flowing and it's it's glad. I'm glad that football is here. I'm just excited really to take a step back. We've been talking about the podcast network at The Athletic for months and really even it feels like over a year. And just the way that we have grown and where this company is headed and the things that we've already been able to accomplish in a short amount of time. You know, we were the third market to launch. We when when Zach and I came on, no one knew what the athletic was. And I had people telling me, you're throwing your career away. I can't believe you're doing this. Uh, And now to see where we're at today and adding, you know, you could be a Browns fan and a uh, San Francisco Giants baseball fan and a New York Knicks basketball fan. And we're going to have podcasts for all of them. So just it's it's really an exciting time here at The Athletic and what we're doing, where we're going, you know, crossing the half million mark in subscriptions headed toward a million and really even far beyond that. The the goals and aspirations of this company are so much higher than people realize, and it's way higher than a million. So, you know, if you're not on board, like Zach said, if you're not on board, get on board, because I think you're really going to like where we're going. I will piggyback on that by saying my first year on the beat for the athletic, the Browns went 0 and 16 <laughs> and there was a lot of yeah. Sunday nights and Monday mornings that I thought, well, this is not going to work, right? Like who is yeah. going to read about this team? <laughs> right. Yep. And um, we did a thing that year where the Browns went to uh, the Browns played in LA, the chargers late in the year. Uh, they had pretty much locked up the number one pick. Um, I flew to San Francisco on a Thursday um, to go to the Pac-12 championship game to watch Sam Darnold, right? Um, he kind of thought he was going to be the number one pick. Some people who know stuff thought he weren't sure he was going to come out. Uh, I flew the next morning from uh, San Jose to Long Beach. I showed up in L.A. I covered the game, and I stayed, without a flight home, I stuck around um, to write about Sam Darnold. I went to San Clemente, his hometown, his high school, which is about an hour or a little bit more south of L.A., Spent three days chasing a story, uh, eventually booked a red eye home on Wednesday night, um, walked in my living room at 920 a.m. At 925 a.m., the Browns hired John Dorsey. Wow, a lot has changed then. <laughs> a lot has changed for the Browns since then. A lot has changed for the athletics since then. Um, we're excited. Uh, I've lived it. Um, I like to say that I'm really only 25. I just look much older because I've covered the Browns for my entire professional career. <laughs> so right. we've seen some shit and uh, we'll see how it goes from here. A guy who's seen some shit is Joel Batonio for uh, 2014 draft injuries cut short, got the big contract, played on some bad teams. Um, super guy. Really good player. Went to the Pro Bowl for the first time last year. We're not always going to be able to have player guests on the Civilized Barking Podcast. We're not always going to be able to have guests as good at talking or as playing as Joel Batonio, but it was my privilege to sit down with Joel uh, last week in the indoor field house after uh, the Browns' last training camp practice, and it is my privilege to bring you that interview right now. All right, well, um, good to have you here. Let's start with an important question. How's the baby? Uh, doing really well, doing really well. She's uh, almost going on eight months now, and uh... – it's been really awesome. It's one of those life-changing experiences where you're just like, every day I'm like, man, this is pretty cool being a dad. Um, but she's doing great eating some food now and stuff, so it's been really fun. Because I remember last year you were like, well, I'd love to go to the Pro Bowl. However, my wife is like 40 weeks pregnant. Yeah. So Yeah, it was honestly like we had the baby, I got invited to the Pro Bowl, and I got named All-Pro in like 
a three-day span and it was kind of a whirlwind i ended up going you know it was my first opportunity so i was like we got to take it but uh zoe was only two weeks old so she didn't make quite make the trip <laughs> um the end of camp the end of preseason how do you celebrate besides an ice bath yeah it's uh it's been good you know we've had a lot of hidden practices um you know freddie's ran a tough camp and, and that's you know what do you expect in a first year coach and his mentality um you know we have a game to play in two days so that's how I'll celebrate, you know, played in the game. And then once we get back, it might slow things down a little bit for that fourth preseason game. But right now I'm just focused, you know, and uh, and, and really trying to, you know, sorry, <laughs> really trying to uh, come together as a team and, and really just take that next step and be the best we can be. Great. You've seen a lot of stuff here. Uh, when you look now and you see Odell Beckham, Miles Garrett, Baker Mayfield, all of these guys, what just what is your impression of this team as we get ready to get this thing started? Yeah, we have a lot of talented guys. Um I think that's probably the the one thing is you know you see on paper there's talent here mm-hmm. to win games and um, every day you kind of see something cool like you know Odell makes a sweet catch Baker makes unbelievable throw Miles does something freaky you know all those guys have just unique talents that make them some of the best players at the position yeah. in the NFL and it's kind of cool to be around I think it brings out the best you know if someone sees like wow the crowd's really into what Odell's doing Miles will be like I got to make a play now to yeah. see something happen and then. You know, you have Demarius in the backfield. You're like, oh, I got to do something now to, you know, to get on that level. And so I think for training camp, it just really ignites the competition. Yeah. You know, something I, I go back and forth on, and you would probably know this better, is obviously you got to have the talent, right? Because we've seen that. But do you believe in the concept of culture changers that, that guys, you know, that can come in and just, besides the obvious talent, that can be part of what they do, you know, when nobody's looking, uh, of changing things? Yeah, I, I think. Uh, quarterback has the most power in that in that sense you know I think we've had guys here in the past you know the Joe Thomas of the world that were hardworking, always on you know that could, were the right culture did they change it for the whole team not necessarily sure. you know and I, I feel like we've had guys here that are in that right mold um, I don't think we've had enough of them in the past and now I think we have a good group of people led by the quarterback that really can work together to change the culture but I think also changing culture culture really depends on what you do on the field like mm-hmm if you have the right mentality all offseason and all this stuff and everybody's working and you start losing games like the culture goes as well as the team can win games and you know the Patriots have a great culture they've also won all the time like if they lose are they gonna have that same culture you know they understand like hey this is what we do this is how we win games Mm -hmm. and so you know I think we're in the right spot but now I think we have to win games to show like hey this is where we want to go as a team but you really believe that August can matter uh going forward oh yeah uh, especially with like the limited practice time we have in the off season, it's the first true time we can work at least for an alignment, you know, on your technique. Because everything's great without pads on. Oh, it looks good. Oh, it feels good. But when you're truly trying to move another person off the off the ball and things like that, I think there's real merit to to you know doing full speed drills, doing things. And now, you know, we have a couple weeks before the first game, and we can really try and focus on getting our bodies back to speed and, and ready to go for that first game. I've heard you talk about this, but I've never asked you directly. Do you really think that everything changed in two and a half quarters last year on that Thursday night when Baker came in? Um, I think you're going to pinpoint that probably for the next decade or however long Baker's here. People will be like, you know, the night, you know, Cleveland fixed everything. And for me personally, it was – I really didn't realize how much I needed to win a football game until after that game was over <laughs> and I got in my car and I was like <laughs> – boy that was nice you know that felt amazing and uh and I think it definitely started things you know I don't think everything changed because I think there's a lot of pieces we still brought in a lot of growing we had to do you know Freddie Kitchens had to emerge and all these things like that but I think that's gonna look back hopefully the next 10 years and be like man 
that's a starting point. That's when it really, really started for the new age Cleveland Browns. I'm fascinated by Baker because he's like this bad guy. This I've always been doubted. I wear this chip on my shoulder. I'll go after anybody. But he's a good guy. His teammates love him. He does the right things on and off the field. I mean, you ever met anybody like him? Um, I've had some good, you know, good quarterbacks in my past that I've played with. And Baker just does an unbelievable job of connecting with everybody. And uh, I'm sure if you're not on his team, it probably wears a little thin. But he's always been on my team when I've been, in, you know, when he's been in the NFL. So yeah. I, I'm used to used to Baker Mayfield. But um, but it's it's really special. You know, I think a lot of guys on the team say, "Oh, I could be friends with anybody," but he really can connect with every person, and it's. Uh, it's something special that that you see in, in that quarterback. I read a quote. He's like, "I'm probably never going to change," and I'm like, "Yeah, well, that's kind of how he got here, right?" Right, right. <laughs> that's who he is, and and uh, and I think he's just very truthful. You know, he's not used to telling you know white lies or just oh what everybody wants to hear. He just says what he thinks and how he feels, and he understands like he has to back it up on the field. But I don't even think he's thinking that way. I think he's just like, "I'm going to be who I am, and I'm going to play my way on the on the right. field, and, and we'll see how it turns out." Last thing here, you, you've been on some teams where the expectation is just find a quarterback or just win a little and set it up. So, <laughs> Joe Schober joining us on the podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, where the expectation is let's just build a little bit for the future. Let's find a couple building blocks. Well, now you're on a team where there's a lot. So you guys haven't done anything yet, but you feel like this team is equipped to reach real goals uh, this year. Yes, I think we have the right pieces in place from Dorsey down. You know, I think we have the right pieces. Um, and I'm going to be very cliche. We have to prove it on the field. You know, no, nothing is solved in the offseason and stuff. I mean, you have pieces. You're in a better spot than we've been since I've been here mm-hmm. in Cleveland. We have true, true pieces and hope that we can really build on. Yeah. Um, but we got to come together as a team first. We haven't hit any adversity on the field, yeah. you know. You know, most likely we're probably not going to go 16 and 0. There's going to be some point where we lose a game. You're crushing fans' dreams. I know, I know, I know. I hope we do. (laughs) But there's going to be a point where something happens, and how are we going to respond to that? Yeah. Because everybody feels great right now. I mean, every year I've been in Cleveland, I felt before the year started, you know, wholeheartedly, I put my heart in this like, we got a chance to make a run. We can do something here. Do we have more talent now? Do I feel better about it now? Because I didn't know any better before. Yes. (laughs) But. We still have to go through that as a team, and we still have to grow and build and uh, see what we can do. Okay, so Baker, he comes to the Combine, and he presents himself like a pro, and he says all the right things about, you know, I can be the guy. I'm not scared of the past. I'm not scared of this. I can take it on. And I think many of us, and I'm speaking for me but not just me, we're like, we've heard this before, <laughs> you know. But he seems to live it, and I, I guess from your answer right there, you kind of feel like you guys are finally ready to turn that corner. Yeah, he um... – you know, I think a lot of people have said that, you know, when they got to Cleveland. I thought I was impressed with him in the sense that he said it before he got to Cleveland. You know, he knew about it. He said, he said, if you want a quarterback that's going to come change the culture here, you know, win games for you guys, I'm that guy. And I thought it was cool. You know, I didn't know if we were going to draft him. I had no idea. Yeah. I was like everybody else on, you know, draft day. <laughs> we have three different quarterbacks we can take, you know, number one. Right. Um, but I just think that's his confidence as a person. And, and it's really cool. It, I've seen him grow as a, as a leader on this team, and I feel like he's ready to take that huge jump for a second year. Um, and he has some toys to play with, too, so it yeah, should be fun. Absolutely. Well, Joel, the name of the podcast is Civilized Barking, so thank you for the civilized interview. 
That sounds good. That's a, that's a cool name. I like it. I like it. I'm sure it's a career honor for you to be the first guest. But, yeah, uh, I think this is the first time I've ever been the first guest on a podcast. So <laughs> play, huge moves for Joel. Tired of playing second fiddle to Joe Thomas, right? Time exactly. for you to step up. Exactly. <laughs> so let me ask you, do, do you feel, you know, this is year, what, six for you? Yep. So, and, and obviously you had a couple of them cut short. I mean, do, do you feel like you're in your prime? Do you feel like you've been around here forever? Um, because yeah. you're one of the last guys that has been for it's, more than three years. It's one of those things, you know, where you see new faces all the time. And now it's like, man, there's a lot less old faces than there was. You know, Duke got traded this offseason. And, and you know, Kirko's kind of there with me. Charlie Hewlett, you know, our long snapper. Those guys are probably the guys that I can remember. And then, like, the support staff. But you, you go along, and, and I see some of these young guys in year one and year two, and I was just trying to picture myself when I was in year one and year two and how I was developing. And, and <laughs> the playbook and stuff is such a whirlwind when you're young that it's hard to truly, truly focus on development. I think that's one of the things why O-linemen sometimes struggle to enter in the league is because they're so focused on learning the playbook that it's hard for them to work on technique. So I think I'm at a point in my career where I understand most of the playbook, and everything's pretty – goes from one playbook to the other, just different terminology. So – for me, it's like, what can I focus on today to be a better player? Right. And I feel like that's helped me the last, you know, two years, you know, of, of really trying to develop. And, and I feel good. I feel healthy. I feel strong, you know, and I'm, I'm going into year six. And, and hopefully it'll be the best year yet. All right. Sounds good. Wish you the best. Thank you. So that's Joel Batonio, Pro Bowl guard. And, um, you know, I have a face for podcasting. So in a way, I'm glad you guys couldn't see the interview. But the part of that interview I'll never forget is where we were talking about expectations and beating the alternative. And uh, Joel says, you know, we're probably not going to go 16 and 0. And we both kind of look at each other and I'm like, you know, you can't say that, Joel. Like, you're going to crush people, right? (laughs) (laughs) But he was very realistic in that, look, this team is good. And I'm very anxious to see what happens when we hit some adversity. It's not an if, guys. It's just a when. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And as we get out of here and wrap up, you know, it's worth – It's. uh, I'll give you a little tease, I guess. Uh, You know, when – we saw what was coming with the Browns when we saw them putting this together last year, knowing this is a football town, knowing what the Browns can be if they're good again. You know, I was talking to uh, the founders of the company at the combine and uh, some of the higher ups and said, Baker is the new LeBron and we have to treat him as such. And that's what we're doing. So stick with us as we build this and evolve this. We have more talent coming to help on Browns coverage that nobody knows about. That we'll get into here in the next couple of days or weeks. We'll see how uh, contracts unfold and that sort of thing. But we do, uh, I, I think you're going to like where, where we're going with our coverage, both in print and in sound. Uh, Jason did this last year, and I did this in June. I tried to hide it, um, even though I, you know, I occasionally post goofy things on Instagram from my travels or whatever. I spent about three days in Baker's hometown at his high school, at his hometown football camp. Uh, with his high school coach, met his mother and, and fiance at the time um, for a story that's going to drop next week and hopefully for many stories that it's going to come because I agree. I, I You know, it's a little premature when you start throwing around the L word to me, but I, I do believe that things have lined up, right? The Browns have waited and waited and waited. Um, LeBron left last July 1st. You know, yeah. Baker came in in late September. Um, you know, they've added Odell Beckham. They've changed everything. I think you all should bet Miles Garrett at fifteen to one <laughs> to win the sack title because he looks that good. Um, yeah, you said that a few weeks ago on the radio, and I think you nailed it. I wish I would have listened to you back then because, <laughs> oh my goodness, he is—he's even skinnier, Zach. Like he's even—and he didn't lose any strength or explosiveness, but he's even like trimmed down even more. Yeah, he—he's such a freak. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know anything about either losing weight or being an athlete, right? <laughs> However, um, you know, he, his rookie year was basically a lost year. He was on a bad team. He had high expectations. He got hurt. He got hurt again. He was, you know, just being a rookie, being a kid to start with. New city, new start, all this stuff. Um, so he came in last year and he started to find himself. And I just think now he's he knows exactly what he needs to do to be a better player. He knows exactly how dominant he can be because he saw himself do it in stretches last year. And I just think uh, it's all going to come together. And I don't know how in the world the Titans are going to block him or anybody in week one. So we will see. Um, we Same will see. Marcus Mariota. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, okay. So this podcast, thank you for listening. Please spread the word about The Athletic, about the podcast. We are very excited, as Jason mentioned, um, to do some of those things, all of these things that we're going to do, and just to kind of uh, be along for the ride and take you guys as far inside as we can. So, again, Thursday night, pretty meaningless uh, preseason game. At some point Friday, there will be a podcast with my roster predictions. And then at some point over the weekend and into early next week, once the roster moves are made, we'll be back and we will uh, line up some guests on the Titans. We'll line up some predictions uh, and we will see. We will incorporate Tom Reed. Jason will be back as well. Uh, we will get together and do that. And we hope that you will look forward to listening to Civilized Barking. For Jason, I'm Zach. We'll talk to you real soon.